morning. Welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. We gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., both in person and online. Online, we have a live stream on our website, faithonhill.com. The video is also available on our Facebook page. You can follow us on social media, at Faith on Hill, both Facebook and Instagram. It's a great way to stay connected with what's going on and see the content we have. We also have an audio-only version of our Sunday morning service that you can find on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. That's also where you will find the rest of our online online content, which includes the 20-minute Bible study, the Starting Points podcast, which is an overview of the books of the Bible and getting people a starting point to their own personal study of the Word of God. And then there is the uh, Talk About Anything podcast, which is a long-form conversational podcast. Uh, The most recent one features a brother named Matthew Winter, uh, who is from a different tradition than ours. He he comes from what's called the Reformed tradition of of the Christian faith. Um, And we agree on a lot of things. We also disagree about other things. I thought it was a really respectful and productive conversation. And that's kind of the idea, is to have conversations with people from different backgrounds, different experiences, and and to have not a sermon, but a, a dialogue. So all that can be found on those various platforms. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Then throughout the week, we meet in small groups, and uh, you can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com for more information. We have a Sunday morning small group. We have a Wednesday night online small group. We have a small group for young adults, and we are working on starting a a new small group uh, that's geared towards families and kids and stuff like that. Sunday mornings in person, we have worship through song. We pray together. There's kids' church, and we have connection and community as we are with one another. Finally, I want to mention something that I don't mention a lot. If you are, this is your first time watching any of our our content or being part of anything that Faith on Hill does, you might think, oh, this is one of those churches. But if you go back, you can go back for like a few months, I think. I almost never talk about money. And you might say, oh, the church must be hurting for money. No, actually, we're in a good season. We aren't mentioning money because we are hurting. We're mentioning money because one of the ways that Christians have always worshiped God is through giving. And so if Faith on Hill is your church family, we encourage you to be generous with what God has given. And you can go to our website, faithonhill.com. There is a giving tab, and you can sign up for online giving. Uh, And and that is a a valid way of worshiping the Lord with our strength and our resources. We don't make a big deal and promote some of the things that we do, uh, partly because we don't want to publicize some people's situations. Uh, But I can tell you that this week, uh, we were able to serve and minister a family uh, that was on the ropes, and they were in a hard place. And uh, quietly behind the scenes, we were able to get them the help they needed as they were getting into services. One of the things that I have found in the last several years is that there are services and resources available where people tend to hurt the most, and it's 
the hardest to serve is that gap. Somebody falls into a bad situation, they're getting themselves into services, but that takes time. And that gap, it could be a week, it could be a month where they aren't in services yet, but they still need food and basic provision. And that's been a ministry that God has given us over the last several years uh, that we don't talk about a lot because we're not going to say, hey, so-and-so needed our help. Obviously, that wouldn't be cool. So those are the things that we are a part of. We uh, support the Backpack Buddies program at our local elementary school. In addition to, you know, let's just be honest, like, with inflation, electricity is more expensive. The the cost of uh, you know these these things that we do. Even it, we have a certain yearly budget for the podcasts because you have to pay for uh, you know all of the uh, you know, the services and the platforms. It's not a huge expense, but it's part of it. So if this is your church, you can go to faithonhill.com and go to the giving tab. I I haven't talked about this in months. I probably won't talk about it for another few months, but it is, a, it is an important part of our spiritual health that we are people who are generous with what God has given us. All right, we are going to continue our study of the book of Job. Last week, we looked at how Job's friends were responding badly to his suffering. This week, we are going to look at it from the other perspective, and we're going to look at how Job responds to his friends. And we're going to talk about how to deal with toxic Christians, how to deal with toxic churches. We're going to be looking uh, at these middle sections of the book of Job. Let's study God's word together, starting in chapter 15. So our study in the book of Job is a little different than normal. Normally we go kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter. This study is a big overview. And when we get to the book of Job in the 20-minute Bible study podcast, then we will go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But this is kind of Job from 30,000 feet. And so today uh, we're going to be starting in chapter 15, and then we are going to go to chapter uh, 31. So that's a huge chunk of of chapters. We are not going to be going verse by verse. Remember that Job was a man who was being afflicted and attacked by the enemy. Satan had said to God, Job only worships you, only keeps your commands, only follows you because you have given him everything. He has wealth, he has riches, he has success, he has a solid family, he has comfort, he has no illness, he has everything that you could want. But if you take that away, he will not worship you. And so God says, you may do whatever you want, but do not take his life. And I've said before, I believe that there is a huge significance to this conversation, but we are putting a pen in it, and we will come to it probably the the very end of our time in the book of Job. But I want to just remember that that is not an insignificant conversation, and I want to return to that later on. So then... All of this happens. Job's children are killed in a natural disaster that we know is caused, as the audience, we know it's caused by Satan. Job's wealth and livestock and assets are stolen from him. His health is taken from him. And he has these three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, that hear about his suffering. So they set off to be with him and comfort him. And when we first meet them, they are doing the right thing. Things. They sit with him. They grieve with him. They are silent. They listen. They are just there with the ministry of being present. And they are people in that moment that we want to be like. 
And then they start to talk. And we talked last week how they made all kinds of mistakes, uh, how they had a pre-established theology or view of suffering that was wrong. But because instead of listening, instead of being humble, instead of being full of the love of God, they just wanted Job to repent of sins that he hadn't committed because their theology demanded that he must have committed sins. They didn't understand suffering. They didn't acknowledge the supernatural, and so this must come from God. They never factored in, maybe it's coming from Satan. And this week, as I was studying through, looking at Elphaz and Bildad and Zophar, and they continue to speak, I focused on Job's responses. And let's be honest, there are toxic people in the world, including in the church. And since the church is made up of people, there are whole churches that can become toxic. Toxic Christians, toxic churches. And Job is dealing with people who have become toxic. Uh, Bildad becomes toxic because he is so stuck on this theology, this doctrine that he believes to be true, that he is just ripping Job apart. Zophar, I can't prove it, but I believe it, and we talked about this last week. Zophar, on the other hand, he never adds anything to the conversation. Eliphaz says something that seems good, but he's not correct. Bildad goes farther, and he just starts ripping into Job, but it's because of a pre-established belief that he has. Zophar just seems to not like Job. It seems like Zophar was the guy in the group of friends who wasn't really friends with Job, but he was friends with the group, and so Job was listed among his friends. Zophar just seems to be a toxic person. What do you do with that? People are rarely one size fits all. People are rarely all good or all bad. And churches, because they're made up of people, are the same way. We're not monoliths. We're not simplistic and, and reduced to just that's good, that's bad. We're complex. Some of the people who have caused me the greatest harm in the church are the same people who have done some of the greatest good towards me in the church. That's complex. You might say, Adam, you don't get it. You're a pastor, so of course you're big on church, but you don't know what I've experienced. And I've, I've talked about this before. If you are listening and you have been hurt in the church, you have been hurt by the church, and you just want somebody to hear your story and be held accountable, and, and it wasn't even Faith on Hill that you got hurt by, it wasn't me that did anything, but you say, you're a pastor, I need somebody to hear it. That's real. I had a meeting last fall, and I told the person, I said, you weren't here for any of this. You didn't do any of these things, but you are sitting in that seat, and I need you to hear this right now. And they were gracious, and they let me say my piece, and then we were able to move forward. But I appreciated that, that I was able to be heard by somebody. So if you just need to yell at a pastor, I have a standing offer that if somebody emails me, adam at faithonhill.com, if somebody reaches out, if somebody says, I just need a leader in the church to hear this, and you don't get to defend yourself, you just have to take it. I'm here for you. That's a standing offer. But let's be honest and say that things are complex. You know, you could label 
all three of his friends and say, man, these people are ripping into Job. They're kicking him when he's down. They are adding no help or, or encouragement into his life. But they're not all three the same. And you know what? For all their faults, they're there. In chapter 30 of the book of Job, we are told that everyone has turned away from Job. Job says, look, people that I used to count friends will not acknowledge me. Family members who I was close with have turned their back on me. Those who I used to have good relationships with now openly sneer at me, openly despise me, openly disrespect me. I, I once was a leader in the community. The community has turned its back on me. Job's three friends are there. Remember I said people are rarely simply good or bad, black or white. There's complexity. There's nuance. And so for all the things that they do wrong, I think it would be wrong to not acknowledge that these guys were still there with Job. They may be misguided. They may be doing something wrong, but they're still there with him when everyone else, everyone else has abandoned him. And I don't think we should ignore that. But Job's friends and Job's suffering and Job's response to his friends gives us perspective for our day. There are toxic Christians and toxic churches. And one of the conversations that's happening in the church at large is the fact that so many who were part of the church now do not see it as important, vital, or something that they have to be a part of. And we would be foolish to not acknowledge that there are those who are not currently part of a church because they have been deeply wounded in the church and what was supposed to be a safe place is no such thing. That what was supposed to be a place of shelter and refuge became a place of torment and abuse. I am far too familiar with stories of people who have been abused in the church. People who have been abused because somebody was given a position or authority and then that instead of being a trustworthy person, they were a monster. They were a predator. People who have been verbally, emotionally abused people who have been sexually abused, people who have been even you know, physically abused in churches or because of churches or by Christians. I, I, I know stories of, of people who have, you know, I, I heard the story of a lady who found out her husband was a pedophile and her church kicked her out because she said, I'm not having him around my kids. And they said, you have to forgive him and take him back. And she wouldn't, and they kicked her out. That's terrible. I heard, I've heard stories of daughters, adult children, who have gone to the church and said, my father abused me. And they have said, you need to pray to forgive him. And they, who are, by the way, legally, and so am I, are legally mandatory reporters. That means that if I have any evidence that somebody is being harmed or abused, especially a child, I am legally required to report that. 
And I have. And these church leaders did not report. They broke the law. They protected people who were accused of abuse and did not protect those who are saying, help me, I have been the victim. And I think we have to talk honestly and openly about these things as individual Christians and as a church family collectively. Because thank God that has not been the case as far as we know at Faith on Hill. Now look, the church has been around in the Milwaukee, Oak Grove, and Gladstone area for over 100 years. You know, the first service took place on a Wednesday night in what's now downtown Milwaukee in 1876. So I cannot tell you that somebody wasn't harmed here in 1910 or somebody wasn't harmed here in 1954. I can't tell you that. Quite honestly, the only people who were part of the church, even back in like 54, have gone to be with Jesus. And the last of them went to be with Jesus right after I started as the pastor here. So our relational history, our institutional memory as a church really only goes back to about 1979. For our purposes, Faith on Hill has no institutional memory before that. We don't have people who were here before that. That torch, that baton was passed to them, but they've moved forward if that makes sense. So I can't promise that something didn't happen in 1963, that something didn't happen in 1922. I, I can't. But as far as we know, that has not been a thing. Thank God that has not been a thing that has happened. And I am thankful that there have been times in my own church experience where I've seen the church do the right thing. The first time I ever heard of somebody being kicked out of church was because we were protecting his wife. And that set a tone for me that, you know what? There are people who aren't allowed to come because they are not safe for others. And I am grateful for that. And we have to acknowledge that that's a reality. At the same time, remember, because things are complex, you have somebody like Eliphaz, who when you read everything he says, as I read everything that he is attributed to him in the book of Job. I, I sit and I say, in a different situation, Eliphaz would be 100% right. In a different situation, Eliphaz would be speaking the absolute true thing. You can say the right thing at the wrong time, and the right thing in the wrong time or the right place becomes the wrong thing, or spoken by the wrong person. About a week ago, about a week ago, I saw posted tweets from a well-known, but I would say disgraced, preacher. I hate to call him a pastor because I don't think he is. I think he's a fraud. And I'll just say it. His name's Mark Driscoll. He had a big, big internet following in the 2000s and the 2010s. And guys my age consumed and devoured podcasts and YouTube videos and all of the, you know, he, we didn't have like, you know, uh, Instagram shorts or TikTok back then, but we would have been watching it on there. Huge following. The church grew and was thousands and tens of thousands of people across multiple states in the, in the western part of America. Church here in Portland, multiple campuses in Seattle, campuses in California and Arizona and uh, 
one in Texas and, you know, growing and growing and growing. And then it came out that he was an abusive person. He was verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, financially abusive. And his church stood up and said, you are not fit for the office that you hold. You need to repent. And what did he do? He took the money that he had made on the back of the church and packed up out of town and moved down to Arizona and started a new church. And now reports have started to come out down there that that church is experiencing the same things all over again. He tweeted something. He tweeted something, and this is why I was, I'm mentioning him, that like Eliphaz would be true if somebody else was saying it, would be true in a different context. That if, if he wasn't the author and somebody showed me that and said, Adam, could you sign off on this tweet? I'll be honest. I could easily tweet that myself and sign my name to it, maybe with a couple of nuanced changes. But coming from him, it's wrong. Coming from his situation, it becomes the wrong thing. Spoken to the wrong person or the wrong situation, it turns from being true to being false. That's Eliphaz. I believe that he means the best for Job. I believe that he wants to be Job's friend. But because he isn't reading the room, because he has a incorrect theology, because of all that, He's toxic to Job. Bildad just has wrong theology, wrong practice, so he's toxic to Job. There are churches that are not safe places. Let's talk about some hot-button issues and, and be honest about it. I grew up in a church that has, was full of the grace of God. People were given second, third, tenth, twelfth chances there. I'm so thankful to have grown up in that sort of church environment. But when people I knew began to be open and honest that their sexuality was not heterosexual, we didn't know what to do with it. There hadn't been open and honest conversations. And to be honest, I didn't and others in my generation did not handle it well. Nobody had trained us, nobody had prepared us, but I'm going to be honest and say we didn't handle it well. We were, at the best case being like Elphaz, we weren't handling it well. And at the worst case being like Bildad, and some of us unfortunately might have been more like Zophar, just out to kick somebody when, you know, it's, they're vulnerable. And it's an incredibly vulnerable thing for a person, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, in an evangelical Christian church. It's an incredibly vulnerable thing for somebody to come out of the closet. I am not in any way affirming anything outside of what the Bible teaches. I have this position. I believe the Bible is true. I would say that I would point to people that I know and know of, some I know personally, some I know through reputation, who they have come and said, sexually, I am not attracted to the opposite sex but this has been my experience following Jesus. And, and there are people who I know personally, and there are people who are known nationally, Beckett Cook, uh, Christopher Yuan, Kathy Grace, who's based here in Portland, um, Sam Albury. There are uh, Jackie Hill Perry, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, and I could keep going. 
And these are people who have experienced all the world has to offer sexually. And they have come back and said, Jesus is better. I point to them. I would rather focus on heterosexual sin within the church because that's been allowed to run rampant. Churches have said, how could you dare have uh, be welcoming towards a trans person? And we've had trans people who have attended the church for a while and felt safe here. Not because we were compromising anything that the Bible says, but because they felt the love of Jesus here. And, they, my, and I've had people say, how could you have a trans person come to your church and be comfortable? And my response is, how was it this isn't what bothers me. What bothers me is that people were part of our church. I'm not going to rip on any other church, but I'm going to speak honestly about our church. That people were comfortable in open heterosexual sin at our church when I got here. And that, that when I started here, there were people who were freely sinful in their heterosexual activity. How can we speak any kind of truth to homosexuals, to people in, in, in you know, the LGBTQ plus community, when we weren't speaking truth to heterosexuals. And so I believe that one of the things that God is making Faith on Hill is a place that's safe for people who are uh, not sure what's going on with their sexuality, people who are not neurotypical, which is not the same thing as your sexuality, but you know, people who aren't neurotypical, uh, people who are on the spectrum, people who uh, have anxiety, people who have been victims of toxic churches, abusive churches. We've seen that, and I'm not saying it because that's what I want to be true. I'm saying it because I'm seeing it be true, especially over the last number of years. And Job's suffering gives us perspective because as these people are being toxic towards him, we can see in our own day how Christians and churches have been toxic towards those who are suffering, towards those who are doubting, towards those who are uncertain, towards those who are confused, towards those who are in an open you know, sin or, or just not living in the, the way that, that Christianity would say, hey, this is the way that God has shown us. And that God is made and making our church a place that is becoming safe, God willing, for people in different situations, especially those who have been victims of toxic Christians and toxic churches. Does that mean that we have never been toxic or we can't be toxic? No, absolutely not. We're not perfect. God is working in us. But when we see how Job's friends were to Job and how Job responds, it gives us perspective for how do we act in our day? What I appreciate about Job is that he engages with the truth. And in Job 21, he demonstrates to Elphaz and Bildad in their bad theology that God uh, is, you know, just because somebody is suffering, it doesn't mean that God has rejected them. And just because somebody isn't suffering, it doesn't mean that God approves of them. He demonstrates that the wicked reject God, and yet some live very wealthy and safe lives, which is the complete opposite to the poor, the bad, the false theology that was bringing the toxicity into the life of Elphaz and Bildad. Job's suffering helps his friends in their sanctification. Sanctification is one of the two big words that I think every Christian should know. Justification, being made right before God. Sanctification, being made more like God. 
being made more like Jesus, living, you know, having our hearts changed by the Holy Spirit, uh, being filled with the love of God instead of the rage of this world, being filled with the grace of God instead of the vengeance of this world, being full of the holiness of God instead of the immorality and debauchery of this world. Job's suffering and his response to his friends, I believe we will see when we finish the book of Job, and, and we will uh, see this, leads to them not just having better theology, but being made more like God, understanding God's heart towards people. You see, Job has these friends, and some of them really are being toxic, and some of them are well-meaning, and that it's it's nuanced and it's not clear, but he responds to them and engages them with the truth of the word of God. Now, now Job, remember we said in the first week of Job, this is an ancient book. This is before almost anything in the Bible is written. So it's not surprising he's not quoting other scriptures, but if he was alive at a time when we had the whole Bible, I believe you would see Job just doing nothing but quoting the scripture to his friends. And I have friends who are toxic. I have friends, Christians in the church who have wounded me. I, I think I've talked about this before. There's a pastor up in the state of Washington who, among other pastors, it was a group of other pastors, about a few months ago, I, I just said, look, all you do is speak ill of me. These are my witnesses. Tell me where I've wronged you so I can repent. But if I haven't wronged you, why is it that between two pastors there is this broken relationship? And he refused to even engage with it. And all I can do is pray for him. And whenever there's, you know, a, a kind of a pushback, respond with the word of God. And he's somebody who's gotten caught up in Christian nationalism. He's somebody who has gotten caught up in a certain amount of racism. And as I've spoken to him, I've just tried to bring him back to this is what the Bible says. And I appreciate that Job gives us that perspective because maybe we can be used to bring toxic Christians into a place of health and to a place of healing. And instead of being somebody who wounds others, there are people who serve and build up and strengthen others. The final thing that Job shows us in these chapters by dealing about dealing with toxic Christians is this, Job kept returning to dealing directly with God, that Job's friends would come and bring an attack, kick him, bring him down. And in Job chapter 23, verses three and four, Job says, look, I'm only interested in dealing with God. If I knew where to find him, if I could go to his dwelling, I'd state my case before him, not you. I'm going to deal with God directly. I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would speak to him. And then at, and, and at the end of chapter 31, Job says, Oh, if I only had someone to hear me, I sign now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. And he's not speaking of Elphaz, Bildad, or Zophar. He is speaking of God himself. And he is saying, surely I would wear it on my shoulder. If God has something against me, let him say it to me and I will own it. I will put it on like a crown. Verse 37, I will give him an account of my every step. I would present it to him as a ruler. If my land cries out against me and all of its furrows are wet with tears, if I have devoured its yield without payment or broken the spirit of its tenants, basically he's saying, if I have done wrong to the world around me, 
if I've done wrong to God's creation, if I've done wrong to the people that I interact with. He says, I'll take it. If God says, this is everything you've done wrong, this is why you are suffering, he says, I will wear it and own it. But I want to deal with God directly. If you're dealing with toxic Christians, if you're dealing with toxic churches, I believe that what Job shows us in response is to deal directly with God and let him deal with other people. There comes a point where you just say, you know what? God's going to have to deal with you. God's going to have to deal with you. And I have noticed, I've noticed this, that sometimes people just need to go their own way so that God can grab them when they will finally listen. But that doesn't mean that I abandon God. And let me say this. If you have been hurt in a church, I, I get it. And you know what? It takes time for people to feel safe and to return. Just because you're not directly part of a church on a Sunday morning or throughout the week doesn't mean that we can abandon dealing directly with God. And for us to continue reading, praying, worshiping, and then say, Lord, bring me to a place where I can feel healthy and safe enough to again live in the life-giving part that is your church. Well, you don't know, Adam. You don't know how hurtful the church has been. Maybe not for you, but I know how hurtful the church has been for me, and yet I'm still here. That for all the talk of ex-evangelicals and deconstructionists and, and how the church has just been a place of hurt, my wife and I have talked about this a lot, how the church is a place of safety for us, how the church was a, and is a life-giving place. And just because somebody has been toxic to me, just because somebody has been toxic to you, doesn't mean that we get to stop dealing with God directly. Incidentally, let me suggest that there are those, there are those who are mad at the church, not because the church was toxic to them, Remember, I think Elphaz meant well for Job. They're mad at the church because the church basically said, this is the way that God has given us to live. And that person wanted to go and live the way of the world. I know people who are still mad at the church because they know in their hearts, I'm doing a lot of guesswork here, but I think I'm right about this, that they know in their hearts that the Bible is true, that Jesus is real, that the Christian faith is the way to God. They know in their hearts that they are not walking in the ways of God, and they know that there's guilt, but they don't want to feel that guilt, so anyone who represents the church, they find ways to shut them down, and they're angry at the church because they've opened their eyes to sin, and they have just chosen, like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they've chosen to run and hide. And, and there is just guilt and shame and pain. It's interesting to me that there are those who grew up in the church and say, I don't want anything to do with a church that doesn't affirm this lifestyle or says that this thing is wrong or is, is not okay with my, my drug use or whatever. It's interesting to me that they don't immediately go down the street because let's be honest, there's a church over that way 
that'll accept you as everything's okay. There's a church over there that gets a lot of attention and they won't tell you what you're doing is wrong. What's interesting to me is that those churches aren't full on Sunday morning. People haven't gone there. And I think there is an awareness that what they get there is not the truth. And what is brought forward often imperfectly from Bible-believing churches is the thing that they have to deal with. And what I can appreciate and learn and grab hold of from Job is that despite all of the things going on in his life, despite the extreme pain and suffering that he's going through, despite the fact that he has, in the middle of suffering, the people who should be helpful to him, his friends, fellow believers in God, they, instead of being helpful and healing and safe, they have become a place of hurt and pain and toxicity. Despite all that, he refuses to stop dealing directly with God. He refuses to stop engaging directly with God. And no matter what's gone on, Ultimately, it's not about the church. It's not about individual Christians. If everybody else abandons God, what am I doing? What's my place with God? What's my interaction? If, if a church teaches something that I can't hang with, am I going to just say they're wrong and I'm going to leave? Or am I going to dig in and say, okay, I don't agree with this, but I want to work through this with you, God. And I've done that on multiple issues where I've said, look, God, I don't like this part of the Bible. I don't like this teaching of the Christian church. I don't like this practice that is going on. But instead of just walking and bailing, I'm going to keep digging in and engaging because I know that Jesus is real and I know that God is true and I've felt the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And God's going to have to do his work in me. And that's where Job ends. And the very end of chapter 31, it says, the words of Job are ended. He says, I've made my defense to you. I have wrestled with you. I have spoken with you. And I'm done. I'm going to deal with God. If you've been the victim of toxic Christians or toxic churches, I am sorry. But I would be hurtful to you if I didn't tell you, keep, keep, keep engaging with Jesus and trust him for the healing. If we have been the toxic Christians and the toxic churches, and let's acknowledge that the church, I can't speak for anywhere else, but the church in Oregon is wrestling through that. The last three years we've seen it, we've had to come face to face with, hey, is there racism within the church institutionally? Hey, uh, are we going to do what the Bible says about submitting, if at all possible, to the governing authorities? Hey, are we going to do what the Bible says about loving one another instead of choosing to be divided like the world is divided? And maybe we have been the source of toxicity, division, or hurt. Are we willing to submit ourselves to the work of God the Holy Spirit in our own sanctification individually and then collectively as a church family, so that we can be more like Jesus, be a place of safety, healing, and help for those who need it. That's what Job is speaking to us, giving us perspective for our day, helping us with our sanctification, and calling us to continue to deal directly with God. And I don't know where that leaves you, but I know that because God loves you so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in Jesus will not face eternal death, 
but we'll have everlasting life. And that offer of life and healing is available to all who will believe. And I want to leave you with that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Hey, real quick, I just want to affirm what I said earlier. If you've been the victim of something in the church, Faith on Hill wants to be a place of healing. And so if you need somebody to hear you, reach out. My email is adam at faithonhill.com. We have office at faithonhill.com. You can shoot us a Facebook message. You can just show up on a Sunday morning. Even if you just say, I'm gonna show up, you know, I'm gonna show up around noon, everybody's out. I won't come to church for the service, but I'll be there at the end, that's fine. We wanna be a place that's part of the healing and giving space. And you know what? May that be what God does, I pray that. God bless you. Nothing better than to know we belong